0: Today, a story about two communities in two different countries who face the same problem, cancer and the chemicals causing it. The two Sues, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario and Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, have just a river between them. And on both sides, for decades, there have been factories, and there have been chemicals in the air, in the ground, in the water, everywhere. And there is cancer far more cancer than you would expect to find in communities of this size. Is the link between the cancer and the factories proven? That depends on who you ask, and it's almost impossible to prove conclusively anyway, at least by the standards of a court. But the plants are here, and so is the cancer, and soon another plant may join them. This is just the reality that faces communities who have for so long depended On plants like the Algoma Steelworks, for jobs for a huge part of their local economy. How do you balance the economic needs of a community with its health? How do you fight a plant that might make things worse? Especially when you find out that your own city hall went lobbying to get it. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. Today, the first in a series of five stories for which we've partnered with our friends at the Narwhal for a look at the front lines of climate change and the industries impacting it. Today, a trip to the Sioux. Hilary Beaumont is a freelance investigative journalist who dug into an issue plaguing both sides of the Canada-U.S. border for the Narwhal. Hello, Hillary.
1: Hey, Jordan. Thanks for having me.
0: You're very welcome. Before we get to um, what's a pretty disturbing and really complex story, why don't you kind of set the stage for us? Tell me where we are. Tell me about the economics of the area and and what's going on uh, on both sides of the border here.
1: Sure. So if you can imagine yourself in a small border city, um, Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario, it's kind of like an industrial town. Um, It's gone through like many boom and bust cycles, like many towns in the Rust Belt, Um, And the main industry is the steel plant that's been standing there for more than 100 years, and it's the main employer in town. Um, Everyone kind of relies on it, but at the same time, there are all of these, like, sinister health effects going on.
0: I'm going to ask you to get into the sinister health effects, which uh, sounds pretty bad, but first— can you introduce, I guess, how and, and when did people start realizing uh, that something was wrong here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that this town has long suffered from high cancer rates, and it's something that people became aware of um Kind of slowly over time. So I think, like, first people started noticing on social media in the recent decade that, you know, a lot of their friends and family were posting about cancer and dying from cancer. But it was really only when a new industrial plant was proposed for the town that they started digging into this issue and really realizing how prevalent cancer is and the link to industry.
0: How prevalent is it? Give me a sense of uh, the scope of this.
1: So, yeah, the first thing to say is that on an individual level, it's really hard to say that, like, one person's cancer is caused by a certain thing. So there are all sorts of risk factors, um, you know, sun exposure, radon gas, smoking, drinking, etc. But we know that since the 1980s to present, the Algoma region where Algoma Steel is has had 22,000 cases of cancer, and it has the highest provincial rate of lung and prostate cancer. So the overall cancer rate is just higher than the rest of the rate for Ontario. And there was also a study that found that industrial cities in Ontario, including Sault Ste. Marie, had strikingly higher rates of a cancer called acute myeloid leukemia, or AML. And so the study actually suggested that industry was a factor. So it particularly affects this one area code around the steel plant called the P6C area code. Um, So the rate of AML in that area is twice as high as the Canadian average.
0: What causes that?
1: So AML um, can be caused by a chemical called benzene which is emitted from the steel plant at a higher rate than Ontario usually allows. (laughs) So higher than the health limits allow.
0: Why are they allowed to uh, exceed those limits?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that was kind of one of the weird things about reporting this was I thought, okay, like the limits are higher than the health limits. Why is that? Um, But it turns out that Ontario actually allows the steel plant to do that um, on the condition that they decrease the emissions over time. So currently, there is an exemption known as a site-specific standard for the steel plant, allowing it to spew benzene, benzoipyrine. Um, These are both big cancer causers, um, and the steel plant emits them into the air, uh, you know, right next to people's homes
0: when you went there tell me a little bit about what you saw uh what the place is like and and what kind of conversation goes on around cancer the plant the economy like it it must tie the whole town together somehow
1: yeah i mean it's um it's your average you know small town um i would say it's like you know one of those towns where everybody knows everybody um, everybody knows somebody who works at the steel plant, and also everybody knows somebody with cancer. Um, that was something that really struck me was when you start talking to people about what it's like to live there, um, they'll tell you that every other day they're seeing posts on Facebook of you know someone's cancer fundraiser um, or fundraising for treatment, um, and it's just kind of a fact of life there. And the conversations don't necessarily just revolve around that because it's so normal.
0: What about on the other side of the border? Because Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario isn't the only town uh, in the mix here.
1: Yeah, that's right. It has the twin city of Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, which I also went to visit. Um, And Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan doesn't have a steel plant, but you can certainly— smell the fumes from the steel plant on the other side of the river so um, that's something you kind of notice as soon as you arrive in either of these cities is the smell in the air of like eggs it's it's the sulfur smell from the steel plant um you can just really it's a very distinctive smell and so you smell it on the other side of the river too um and Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan is like also an old industrial Rust Belt town, um, but a lot of the industries have closed. So there used to be a leather tannery on the other side of the water from the steel plant. And there's still industrial pollution from that buried in the ground around people's homes.
0: Does it also have high cancer rates? Um, Like how impacted is it uh, from Algoma? Do we even know?
1: So we don't necessarily have that data. So... We do know that there is a slightly higher cancer rate for the Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan region compared to Michigan. So there's EPA maps that show that. There was a woman that I spoke to in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, who actually had started collecting um, data and stories from her neighbors. Um, and she kind of like colored in a map of her neighborhood with like little red boxes for every home that has cancer. And you can just see this map. You can look at it in the story. Basically all of these little boxes are colored red. And, um, she strongly suspects that there's a link to this old leather tannery that buried, um, waste on site. And, um, that leather tannery also emitted chromium-6. What is that? So chromium-6 is kind of known as like the Aaron Brockovich chemical. So if you've ever seen the movie Aaron Brockovich, there was um, industry uh, leaking chromium-6 into the drinking water of a neighborhood, and a lot of people got cancer as a result. So it's kind of a very similar story um, with this leather tannery in Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan, but The most important thing to know is that when Sault Ste. Marie, Ontario heard that they were getting a new ferrochrome plant, that's when chromium-6 really entered the conversation because the ferrochrome plant will emit chromium-6 into the air. And people were really scared that that would increase cancer risk.
0: What's being done, both for and against, I guess, uh, the new plant? Tell me the story of how it came to be and, you know, who supports it and and who's against it.
1: So the way that the ferrocrome plant first entered the conversation was that Noront, a mining company in Ontario, um, wanted to find an industrial city to locate their ferrocrome plant in. So they invited a number of different industrial cities to apply to be kind of like the winning bid for their ferrochrome plant. So they actually got them to compete against each other to have this heavy industry that will emit chromium-6. And Sault Ste. Marie won that prize and that kind of honor of being the place where the ferrochrome plant would come. But a lot of these proposals were done in secret. They weren't made public. And so people didn't really know about them until the mayor and... uh, the local government announced that, oh, hey, you guys are getting a ferrochrome plant, by the way. Um, And that's when people were like, wait a second, what is that? Um, I know you mentioned jobs, but like, what is this going to do? And then they start looking into it and they're like, oh, uh, this involves a cancer-causing chemical and we're really concerned because that's already a big deal here.
0: So what... uh What is the movement against it? Actually, why don't you start by telling me uh, who is Tammy Francis and what happened to her family and why is she uh, against the plant?
1: Yeah, so um, Tammy, I really like her. She's like this woman in her 50s. Um, She used to work at the steel plant for 12 years as a contractor. Um, She kind of like really speaks her mind and is like very frank about things. Um, So... After working at the steel plant, she actually decided to find work in Alberta instead because she doesn't. She thinks that the steel plant is so dirty.
2: It's the dirtiest place I've been in my life. Mm. And I'm a painter, an international painter in Alberta.
1: Mm-hmm. And I've
2: been in some, you know, like oil tanks and different things I've been in. And that steel plant is no comparison.
1: Her dad and her brother's both, all of them, all three of them worked at the steel plant as well, and they all died of cancer. So she put in a claim to the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board for her dad's case, and they acknowledged that he had some exposure for, to asbestos, but it wasn't enough to warrant compensation.
2: I I refuse to work in there any longer. Like, I will, would not take a job in there now. And there's I mean, that's some people's sole income for a family is has been the steel plant because that's one of our only real money paying jobs you can get in this city, which is Mm -hmm. why I choose to go out west to work.
1: So the thing about Tammy is she's like, you know what, like. This isn't okay for me, for my family, for my town. She decides, like, she's drawing a line in the sand for herself. She's going to move out of the city and find work elsewhere. But she also wants to fight against this new ferrochrome plant. I'm 55,
2: so my time on earth is, you know, limited to how many ever years. But for these, my grandkids, what what are we leaving them
1: you know, mm-hmm.
2: I'd rather move them out west, you know, mm-hmm. but we live in my family home that was built the year before I was born and, you know, there's no chance of my daughter ever
1: leaving it. Like the first thing she hears is, oh, there are going to be jobs, There are going to be hundreds of new jobs. And she thinks, okay, that's interesting. Um, but then she looks into it more and she hears about how, you know, dozens of doctors have signed a letter against this vericrone plant. She looks into it and she's like, oh, it it could potentially cause more cancer. And that's a huge concern for me and my family.
0: You said doctors have signed a letter against this plant?
1: Yeah, um, it was about 40 or 50 doctors that signed a letter, an open letter, um, you know, laying out all of the existing cancer uh, problems in the city and saying that uh, they're really concerned that chromium-6 and another plant coming to town could potentially increase cancer risk.
0: Do we have any idea, aside from, from Tammy and others who are really outspoken, what the, the public sentiment is uh, to this new plant coming to town? Because, you know, I'm um, We've covered towns like this before, and uh, jobs are hard to come by as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I don't want to paint a picture like the whole town is against this because they're not. Um, I would say that it's you know there's there's a main core group of people in the town. Um, the Facebook group that they've created, which is the No Ferrochrome Plant group, is about 4,600 people, which in a small town is a sizable group. Um, and they regularly post in that group, you know, news stories or um, things they come across that can talk about cancer and they're informing themselves and they're organizing. Um, And, you know, they're they're trying to figure out a way to get this plant out of Sault Ste. Marie um, or reject it, basically, before it comes there. But then there are other people in the town where, you know, this is... This is a hard place to find work, you know. Uh, a lot of towns in the Rust Belt are pretty hollowed out at this point, point. Um, and so people really need jobs. And so, an extra three hundred to five hundred direct jobs from a ferricrom plant could be a really big deal for people. Um, then there's also spinoffs from that into the local economy. So. You can almost understand why local politicians might want to bring something like this there. Um, But I think that, like, most people would look at the town and say, why does this town have to really rely so much on industry? Can't we diversify the economy in some way? And so really the bottom line here is that this town is stuck in a loop, right, where they rely so much on industry, and it has these really devastating health effects, and it's really hard to see a way out of that.
0: What has the mayor said about resistance to the plant? You mentioned that, you know, he kind of announced it as like, great, we secured this thing for you, um, and, and he must have been taken aback by, by the rejection of it. Has, is there a debate going on with people in power in the city.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think the mayor is really interesting here, right? Because, um, yeah, he did announce this as a good news thing and maybe was a bit surprised by the reaction. Um, you know, several First Nations groups came out against this plant um, because they also have these effects of cancer in their communities. And a lot of these groups didn't feel consulted either. Um, and so... The mayor, I think, has, like, also talked a lot about his own family's struggle struggles with cancer. So that's something to acknowledge as well, that, like, even people in local government are directly connected to these issues. So this ultimately, I think, is a really hard struggle for anyone in the town. Um, and so this is like something that's been kicked down the road, right? Because the ferricone plant wouldn't be built for another, you know, five years potentially. And it relies on the ring of fire mining um, to start up in Northern Ontario. Um, So this is something that's going to be kind of a slow burn for a while. And I think that a lot of politicians like know that they have time to play with here and, There will be consultations. Noron is organizing consultations and is, like, talking directly to First Nations groups about this. But ultimately, I wonder if there is going to be true consent about this ferrochrome plant because, you know, is it just inevitably going to be built there? Like, do people really have a say over whether it comes there? I'm not really sure.
0: What does Noron say about... uh allegations that this new plant will cause cancer.
1: Yeah, they say that it won't cause cancer. They say hard line, no increase in cancer risk. Um, Their line is that they have this brand new technology that they're developing. It's going to be state of the art. Nowhere else in the world uses it. um, And it will filter out all of the chromium 6 that would have ended up in the environment. The problem with that is that we don't actually know what this technology will look like yet because it's currently under development. So we don't know for sure that they can say definitively that there will be no increased cancer risk. And we do know that there are other ferrochrome plants in the world um, that do emit chromium 6 for you know up to a three kilometer radius around plants. Uh, and that kind of settles into the air and the soil and the drinking water. And people's homes are right next to the place where this plant would be built. So there is ultimately a real concern about this. This is a real threat um, until we know what that technology looks like.
0: What about the people who are struggling uh, with cancer diagnosis right now or who have lost uh, a loved one? Like Tammy, you mentioned that she filed a complaint. What recourse uh, do these people have against Algoma or potentially against uh, Noront if this plant is built? Do they file claims? Do they get money? How likely is that? You know, What is there for them?
1: Yeah, this is probably one of the most disturbing aspects of the story. Um, They have very little recourse. Um, If you've worked at the steel plant for, I don't know, let's say three decades and you develop cancer, um, best thing you can do is file a claim to the Workplace Safety and Insurance Board. Um, And they'll review your case and might take a while. You know, in Tammy's case, she's been waiting for an appeal of her dad's case for nine years. She hasn't seen any compensation yet. One more hug,
2: one more kiss. Not a million dollars could replace that one more day with my father or my brothers for that matter I would give my life to have one more one more conversation the thing is I want to fight for that and for other people because I don't want to see other people dying of cancer I would like to see them pay and acknowledge that they're polluting.
1: The thing to keep in mind is this is a company that employs about 2,000 people right now and since 2001 workers and families have come forward to file 895 claims for cancer. Keep in mind that's over a number of decades that that has developed and a lot of people have passed away but if you look down this list of the cancer claims a lot of these are associated with benzene, asbestos that are in the plant Only 164 of those people received compensation.
0: What kind of compensation are we talking about? Is this uh, life-changing money? These are people who have lost family members.
1: Yeah, I mean, I asked that to uh, one of the union bosses, and he said that, you know, if you have kidney damage and part of a bladder, that's about $3,300. Yikes. Yeah.
0: Where does this town... Uh, go from here. I mean, this is this is a really sad reality to to hear about. I don't think a lot of people in big cities understand the struggle of the Rust Belt. But I also just don't know what else they could do to protect themselves to to protect their economy um, without taking on this risk. Like, what's the alternative if there's one?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think this is something that a lot of towns and cities in the Rust Belt struggle with. I mean, you can see, you know, even in the American election, um, a lot of those uh, states that are in the Rust Belt, they were the ones that flipped to Trump from Obama in 2016. And so you can see like a real political unrest in the Rust Belt right now. Um, I think a lot of these towns are trying to figure out what the future holds and whether that includes industry. Um, I think, though, like one of the brightest spots in this is that there's been a lot of First Nations engagement with these industries. Um, And what I mean by that is uh, First Nations are asserting their rights to be consulted and their rights to have ownership over their land. Um, and so in the case of the ferrocrime plant, a lot of First Nations on both the Ontario and Michigan sides have said, look, no, we need to be consulted properly. We need to be informed properly. And you don't have a path forward unless you talk to us, you know, on a nation to nation basis. So I do think that that's a really important part of the conversation that's also happening really across the Americas right now, Um, talking about Indigenous sovereignty and the ways forward when so many communities are affected by industry.
0: I know we don't know when it'll happen yet, but who ultimately makes the final call on the new plant? Who has that power?
1: Who gets to decide? I mean, I think you have that question coming up for a lot of different construction projects, whether that's pipeline projects through the West. (laughs) I I think that it ultimately does come down to consent of communities uh, that live around these projects. You're dealing with First Nations rights and sovereignty to the land. And then you're also dealing with, you know, communities that will potentially, you know, vote out their elected officials if they feel threatened by them and their decisions. So it does become political, but at a certain point, if if these are the only jobs you've got, uh, it becomes really difficult to say no.
0: Well, I hope that um, at the very least, however this ends up, that the community ends up feeling heard. Thank you so much, Hillary, for walking us through this.
1: Oh yeah, any time. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
0: Hillary Beaumont, a freelance journalist who covered this story for the Narwhal, and that was part one of our five-part collaboration with the Narwhal. You can find more of their journalism at thenarwhal.ca, and you can find more of ours at thebigstorypodcast.ca, as well as on Twitter at thebigstoryfpn. You can email us anytime you like. We are at thebigstorypodcast, all one word, all lowercase, at rci.rogers.com. And as always, we're in your favorite podcast player. You pick one and find us if it lets you. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, tell us what you think. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow. My name is John Cullen, and I want to tell you a story.